The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for this episode because it's actually a full solo episode, which I feel like we haven't done in a really long time. But here we are, and hopefully you don't get sick of my voice and... Hopefully I get to a lot of questions that you had asked. So let's just get started then. The first question that was written in was, are you ever supposed to love your significant other more than yourself? Absolutely not. This is the worst thing that you can do in a relationship. And it's a really easy way to completely lose your sense of self you have to know that you come first. It's it's when you're on an airplane, they say to, you know, put on your life vest before you put on the other person's. And that is so important because it's really about making sure that you're in a good state of mind. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to be there for someone else. So I know that when you love someone so much, like you can get lost in the sauce that is the love. And you can really want to put them in front of you. But you really have to put yourself first. And then, and also think about it. Like you're doing that so that you can be there for your partner. You're not just doing it to be selfish. Like you're truly doing it because you want to show up for them. So it's not really that selfish at all. It's actually selfless if you think about it like that. So I would highly recommend taking care of yourself, whether that means going to therapy or just, you know, doing things that make you feel more like yourself. I I think like the only, the only exception would be if your partner were really sick and, you know, God forbid, and you had to go spend all your time with them. Like that's, of course, you're going to put them before yourself in that situation. But other than that, like you really got to put yourself first. First dates. I always get questions about first dates, like how to prepare, how to not be nervous. And we actually have a great IGTV on this from my talk with Serena Kerrigan at WeWork when we did a show pre-pandemic. And I really, really think that you just need to go into a first date like you're making a new friend. If we treated relationships as we do friendships, and I just had this conversation the other day um, on a podcast that I guested on, like if we if we do this, then it's just a game changer. Like think about when you're meeting a new friend. Do you reveal everything at once? No. Do you, you know, try to engage with them and get to know them and not judge them? Yes. Like you do all the right things when you're making a new friend. So if you could just think of this first date as you know what? I'm making a new friend at the very least. Because at the very least, that's true. Unless this person is terrible or an asshole, like you are making a new friend. So if you think about it like that, I feel like you get much less nervous. And also just in terms of like what to wear. I personally felt that my dates went the best when I was just comfortable. Like I think my first date with my now boyfriend, I was wearing jeans and a sweater and like a big puffy coat and, you know, not like some try hard. Like I, I sometimes will see, I mean, even today, like when I'm walking on the street during the pandemic, I'll see people dressed up in like 
like short skirts and, and I'm like, oh my God, they must be freezing. And I feel like no hate to people who want to dress like that. That's totally fine. But like, make sure that you're comfortable and feeling good about yourself when you're going to meet someone because they could tell. It's actually funny. I said to my boyfriend, we passed this girl who looked great, but she was in like a short skirt and boots and it was freezing. And I was like, oh my God, she must be freezing. Like, I feel like if I wore that on a date also, like it would come off as try hard. And he was like, if you wore that on a date, I'd be like, wow, that's hot. So who knows what guys really want. But I think in terms of like inner confidence, you are like feeling your best and having your highest self-esteem, at least I am, when I'm comfortable in what I'm wearing. Somebody wrote in, you're an active, busy person who loves to work. Your partner is the opposite and won't change. Is that a deal breaker? Yes, it absolutely is. And the reason it is, is because you asked that question. It's very possible that opposites attract in so many ways. And, you know, sometimes your partner wants to be the busy person and they want you to be the one who isn't. But in a more common case, like they want you to be motivated. They want you to be how they are. And, you know, I, I'm an active, busy person who loves to work and I've dated a lazy person who hated their job and complained about it and did nothing. And I wish I had realized it was a deal breaker earlier on. So I will say right now, it is absolutely a deal breaker. There's so many people out there who have the same mentality as you. Go find someone else. Somebody said, not sure if you will talk about this in an episode, but can you talk about how to talk to a significant other about having an STI slash if they might have one? Sometimes these things are dormant for a while and can lead to uncomfortable conversations. Definitely. I think it's so important to talk more about STIs. And we actually have a doctor coming on the podcast to shed some light on that in a professional way. I unfortunately can't really talk to that perspective, but I will say that STIs are very common. Um, you know, most of my friends have HPV. It's it's very normal and, you know, it can go away. It can stay. It can come back. And actually... Um, HPV is carried by men. So most of the time it's coming from a guy not wearing a condom. And so I think that like the stigma just shouldn't be that big of a thing. This is something that is so common, but I actually know that like I had a friend who had HPV and she told her partner and he got really mad at her and he was like, wow, how could you not tell me like you had this? And like, clearly I don't think he understood what it was at all. Like, and I think many people need to understand kind of what it is. It's usually harmless and it goes away by itself. There are rare cases that it could lead to something like genital warts or cancer, but for the most part, like most of the time it is harmless and curable and, or well, not curable, but it goes away. Um, And so I think that like we need to be easier on people when they are forthright about things. Like we we talked about, we did a poll question, would you rather have chlamydia or COVID? And most people said COVID. And that's just so crazy to me because chlamydia is such an easily treated thing. Like you, apparently you take a Z-pack and it's cured. Like you don't, 
need to, God forbid, it's not like if you hang out with your grandma when you have chlamydia, like she gets chlamydia and potentially dies. No, but with COVID, um, that could easily happen. And so I think that clearly there's a stigma and it just needs to uh, really be not a thing. And I wish there was a way that it could be, but I guess just talking about it now, hopefully we'll do something. Like everyone has either had something over the course of their life or had a scare about something. And like, it's okay. Like Corona would be way worse. Would love to remain anonymous, but I, so this is on the same subject, but I just was diagnosed with herpes, am 26 and have been with less than 10 people. Still sex positive, they said, which is great. I truly have no idea how I got it. I never had a one night stand and knew all my sex partners pretty well. I did my research and have now told my partner, but was so scared to. He was extremely understanding, knowing that symptoms can be dormant for up to two years. No way you could know. Would love an episode on how to talk to a partner about this. So this is, you know, along the same lines where I'm going to save most of this to talk about with an upcoming guest who's a doctor. But I think you need to educate your partner if you're going to come to them with something because it's so easy for this person to be scared and to kind of act out or think that you might have cheated on them and that's how you got it. But if you say something like, hey, you know, I think I might have this thing. It actually is something that is was dormant in my system for two years. I had no idea. As soon as I learned, I told you, you know, like you kind of, I think you need to educate people more than you realize when it comes to this stuff. Because I mean, if I didn't know what HPV was and someone was like, I have HPV, I'd be like, ah, what do you mean? But like now I know that that's really not, really not a thing. So a big topic that came up this week on our Instagram was if an older guy dating a younger girl means something or if like age just doesn't matter. And it's funny, my boyfriend has like a strong opinion on this and his group chat decided to discuss it. And essentially they were laughing at the fact that anyone would think that it means something other than the fact that they just want to date younger girls and he's nodding his head right now. And honestly, I have to say I disagree. I think, don't get me wrong, I'm not like ageist and I think that it's totally wonderful if your partner's older than you. Um, You know, if you're a girl dating an older guy, I'm sure they're a great guy and I'm not taking that away from them. I just am... I just think that it shows a little bit of where they're at in terms of maturity. That's all. Like, for example, if a guy is 34 and he's dating a 24-year-old or a 22-year-old, it's possible that he just doesn't want someone who wants to get married right away, that he might not want the pressure of getting married, you know, that maybe he wants someone who looks up to them and their age, as opposed to someone his own age who might want to get married sooner or might be on their, on the the same level as them, you know, intellectually and not look up to them in that way. So I'm not saying that it is like totally not okay, but I would be lying if I said that I didn't think it's it revealed something about that person. And I think most people who are dating younger who don't take themselves too seriously would probably agree with that. And so, you know, just have to mention that. And I also wanted to mention... We asked a poll question 
on if alcohol has ruined your relationship in some way. And it was weirdly high. I think it was like 44% of people said yes. And that's so interesting. For me, as someone who's now sober, alcohol was never my main issue. I've talked about how it was weed. And I can get into that a little bit. But there there were definitely times where alcohol affected relationships I was in. I, I've definitely talked about this before, but I had a I had a mixer actually at Acme on uh, Valentine's Day a couple of years ago when the podcast was first starting out and I was dating somebody and it was open bar and like I had paid for it to be open bar. And so I was like, I have to get like my money's worth. I have to get drunk. And I got really drunk and he had to take me home from my own party. And I got sick. I threw up in the elevator. I threw up on his shoes. I was like a disaster and so embarrassing. And that relationship didn't work out. Not like immediately after that, but I can't imagine that that wasn't something that led to the breakup. Alternatively, I've been in a relationship where they were drinking too much and it affected us. I, you know, I dated one person who is for sure an alcoholic, but he has still not done anything to kind of help himself. And it was, it started off small. Like he would just like have a beer every night when we would hang out. And then it became like bar fights and he would come home with a a black eye. And like, it was just, it was really bad. And that was a huge turnoff to me. And that definitely ruined that relationship. I think just knowing that he was not willing to do anything about it and to get help was a huge turnoff. I've also dated somebody who, when they drank, became someone that I didn't like. And I think that is also a really big red flag. Like he would curse at me when he drank and just be just like this, this person would come out that I really didn't like. And he would do things that were really not okay. Um, I remember, you know, one year on his birthday, he was, he like wanted to pick up Coke and like got really fucked up and just like did a couple things that were really disrespectful to me and thought that it was okay to just like blame alcohol, but it's really not an excuse. And if you do know someone who is in this spot or you are this person, like there are ways to get help and, um, you know, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, which has virtual meetings and they're free. And that's really amazing. So if you're, you know, thinking about getting help, you should definitely reach out to that, to AA stuff. It's all online. You can Google it or, you know, you can reach out to me and I will help you find something. And yeah, the weed stuff. I mean, I talked about it briefly in the episode with my parents. I've talked about it in our episode with Sarah Levy. I've I have like a whole thing dedicated to why I stopped smoking on my Patreon. Um, that's patreon.com slash we met at Acme if you want to check it out. But it just wasn't good for me. I became really addicted to weed and I was smoking all the time. I was always high. So if a date went bad, I'd just go home and get high. I didn't really know it was an actual problem because my best friends at the time smoked just as much as I did, or at least that's how it seemed. But um, most of my smoking was done by myself. And I think that's when you know that it's a, a real problem is when you're doing it 
alone and it's like this really dark thing um and for me i really was struggling with how to stop at a certain point and i thought that weed was making me better i thought that you know i was this type a personality and that weed was like making me chill and like that easygoing girl and like someone who didn't give a fuck. But in fact, it was doing the opposite. And it was making me irritable. And when I wasn't high, I was in a terrible mood. And I was paranoid all the time. And I was thinking that everyone was out to get me. And, you know, my mind was a really dark place. And it wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable with my own thoughts. And I didn't feel comfortable being alone. And, you know, this was a time where I still had a roommate. And It wasn't until I quit weed and kind of got my life more in order that I realized I had really nice thoughts all of a sudden and and my, you know, mindset changed and I wasn't as dark as I had been when I was smoking weed. I really thought that it was all because, you know, this was just who I am and I got depressed sometimes and I had anxiety sometimes. I never once attributed it to maybe it's weed. And I couldn't go anywhere without knowing that I could smoke. Like I didn't want to hang out with friends that wouldn't let me smoke at their apartments. I didn't want to travel to places unless I knew that I could get weed or sometimes I would bring it on the plane and like risk my life. And it just got to a point where I was doing it just to like maintain like a normal state as opposed to actually the feeling of getting high and like feeling good. Like when you first were young and you got high and like, you, you know, laughed and had a good time. Like that was in the past for me. And my present was completely just, you know, not having a choice and being totally like reliant. And it was really sad. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop on my own. So I asked for help, which I think is such an important thing and like nothing to ever be ashamed of. Like we often can't do things alone. And like, that's okay. It's really okay to ask for help. And similarly, there's Marijuana Anonymous. There are free meetings, they're virtual. So I just want everyone to know that that's something that they can do. Somebody said, I've been living with my partner's parents on and off since quarantine started. It has been affecting our relationship and my mental health significantly. Would love advice for this situation and how to feel more comfortable living with them. Oh, it's so tough. I mean, I don't know this person's exact situation, meaning like, I don't know how long they've been dating the partner. I don't know how close they are with the parents. But I think the closer you are with the parents, the better it will be on your mental health because then you can set boundaries. When you're not as close with your partner's parents, it's it's actually really hard to set those boundaries because you're still trying to impress them and you don't want them to think that, you know, you wouldn't want to be with them for when you have the opportunity to be. But I think in this situation, I would recommend, as I always do, um, talking to a therapist virtually because, you know, I I hadn't talked to my therapist in a bit. And then I finally talked with her a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, what have I been doing? Not talking to her. Like, granted, you know, I was trying to save some money, but it's it's so much more important to have good mental health. And I think, you know, if I were in your situation, I would try to get like make myself a schedule, like go on 
a, an hour walk a day if if I'm able to or like go run errands by myself whenever I can. And I would also open that line of communication with my partner and be like, hey, I am feeling like this is affecting our relationship and my mental health. And like, first of all, I want to know if you're feeling similarly because it's very possible that they are and, you know, they haven't felt comfortable bringing it up. And you guys can talk about together, you know, what to do to make it better for each other. And I'm sure that your partner would want you to feel comfortable, would want you to feel like you had options for your mental health and to keep it, you know, intact. So maybe that's therapy for you. Maybe it's couples therapy. Maybe it's going somewhere else if you're able to safely, um, you know, and hopefully your partner would understand that. Somebody said when to talk about marriage after moving in. That's an interesting one. I think that you should always kind of be alluding to the future with your partner. Like, I don't know necessarily. I've spoken to some married friends and I don't think that there was a conversation straight up that was like, hey, I want us to get married in the future. Like, is that something that you want to do? I think that that's like, it kind of takes the fun out of it almost. But if you're able to do that, like kudos to you, that's amazing. I think you should know because you both allude to things, whether it's like your kids or, you know, how you're going to spend holiday holidays when you're married type thing, as opposed to like straight up sitting them down and being like, okay, so are we getting married or what? I don't know. For some reason that just doesn't do it for me. Like I just, I wouldn't want someone to say that. And I don't want to have to say it to my partner. Like it takes away the element of surprise. But I think like if you've been dating a year, you've been living together for like six months, you know, you should have an idea of if you're getting married, especially if you're 30 plus, like that is really important. And I feel like you don't want to waste your time. So I don't think anybody, you know, in their 30s is going to be surprised if you're like, okay, where is this going type thing when you're living together? I think when you agree to live with someone, you kind of know that that has to be somewhere out there as a possibility. And speaking of living with someone, I live with my partner now and it's so great. Like I'm so happy to be living together, but it's so funny. Like he is a guy, he's six, four and like he can eat whatever he wants. And so we have like such unhealthy food here. And I came back from Thanksgiving and I had like put on a few pounds and it's not the biggest deal, but I just wasn't feeling comfortable in my own skin. And I was like, I want to restart. And that's why I'm so grateful. You've heard me talk about it before, but Saqqara is honestly the best thing because it's not a diet. It's not restriction. It's actually nourishing your body with healthy and nutritious food. Saqqara for me was so great when I first started it because it helped me figure out what a superfood was and what like food that is actually nutritious is and what it looks like. And for me, I'm a huge fan of the breakfast, but I think all of the food is great. And it's organic, ready-to-eat meals made with powerful plant-based ingredients, which I personally would not otherwise eat or know about. And they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowy, which 
everybody loves. And along with their delicious meals, Saqqara has daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support nutrition. I personally love the detox tea. And to boost results, you can try their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is a fan. I'm a fan. And they're a fan of We Met at Acme. So support Sakara Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when you go to sakaracom slash Acme or enter the code Acme at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme and you'll get 20% off your first order at sakaracom slash Acme. Okay. Dating tips during COVID winter. Okay. This is not easy. And if you're just like, fuck it, I don't want to date at all during the winter. Good for you. Like you don't have to date. But if you decide to do it, there are ways you can do it. And number one, first and foremost, is being safe. When you go on a date with someone, first of all, bundle the fuck up because it is freezing in the city. I don't know where you are. If you're in a hot place, good for you. Jealous. But it's really cold. So bundle up and make sure that you're going to a place that has heat lamps, obviously, like you're not a sociopath. And, you know, do all the safety precautions. But I don't think other than that, it's that different. I mean... I actually think that dating during COVID is an opportunity to date with more of like a rules mindset, meaning like you're not going to go back to their place just because we're supposed to, you know, have a curfew of 10. Like that's your curfew to go home and like be, you know, more unavailable to them and like, you know, have your date, but you're not able to really like bar hop like you could on another date like pre-COVID. And I actually don't believe in that. I think I just had this conversation on a podcast I was on, but I think like going to the second location on a date is actually something you shouldn't be doing. I think like you should show that you're not that available. I think it also shows the guy in this situation that you're into them. Whereas if you've just ended the date after the first location, they at least have to wonder a little bit, which is nice. Um, But anyway, bundle up. And if they're walking you home in a mask and you want to kiss, I think you can talk about it um, before actually doing it because it it is something that people have different views on. So if you want to kiss, maybe you can say something like, so should we take our masks off if we want to kiss? Or like, how do you feel about kissing? Um, I think, you know, just be as candid as you can be. New diet and exercise routine. So... A lot of you have wanted me to talk about this. I actually did talk about it a little bit um, on our Instagram and I've highlighted it. But I actually don't have a new diet. I never would do a diet. And, you know, I talked about this when I told you about Saqqara. Like, I would never do that. I will do Saqqara every now and then. But for the most part, I just try to listen to my body. And it's so funny. You hear all these like health bloggers and, you know, workout influencers being like, just listen to your body and like just intuitively eat. And you're like, well, my body tells me to eat everything all the time. So I can't fucking do that. And I hear you because that is how I felt. I think when I first wanted to like lose weight, which by the way, like no one needs to lose weight. Everybody's perfect. No matter what size they are. This is just my experience that I'm sharing. Like when I had gained weight during quarantine and I wanted to lose it, 
I actually couldn't listen to my body because my body was like, eat carbs, eat another bagel, have a sandwich, have that entire bag of chips. And I had to be like, wait, no, like that's not what I want. And so in the beginning, when I wanted to like actually lose weight, I had to just like eat a little bit less, still be completely healthy and nourishing to my body. But I maybe wouldn't have dessert after dinner or I wouldn't have carbs for three meals a day, maybe two meals, maybe one meal I would have carbs. Um, And until I got myself to a place where I felt good and then I intuitively ate. So I think like that is what people don't mention when they talk about intuitively eating. Like when we're in a place where we don't want to be, our body needs more. And so I think it's just really important to find like find yourself in a place where you want to be and then intuitively eat, if that makes any sense. And I'm happy to answer more questions about that on Instagram or anywhere else. How to say no to indoor events as it gets colder. I feel like this year is the year to learn how to set boundaries, like more than any other year. And... I think we just need to say like, hey, I'm not comfortable because of COVID. And I think this is also the year where everyone learns to respect boundaries more than ever. Like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, okay, no problem. Like I totally understand. Whereas maybe in the past, if they were like, hey, I don't feel comfortable. I'd be like, what the, like, what the fuck? Why? Like, why don't you feel comfortable? Like, it's just like a party at my apartment, you know? And it's like, the silver lining of it in a way is like we're able to set these boundaries and be respected when we do that and not feel guilty about it and not feel like we, you know, did something disrespectful. Like, again, it goes back to like, you're putting yourself first and that's okay. You know, how to talk about past relationship trauma that still affects you with a new significant other. This is a good question. It comes up so often, um, just like past trauma. I, in my last relationship, towards the end when we were fighting, we were not the nicest to each other. And we said words that I would never want to say to anybody. But, you know, we would, we might say like, oh, like, like, shut the fuck up or like, fuck off. And I have carried that kind of like into my new relationship. Like every now and then I'll catch myself being like, oh, fuck off. And it's like, I I don't mean it in the way that it comes out, but the moment it comes out, and, and by the way, this has only happened like twice, but when it does come out, like it's so hurtful to him. And I'm like, wait, what am I doing? And then I have to realize that I'm acting in a way that was from my past relationship and was trauma for me. Like I never wanted to say that or to speak like that to a person. And so I just like immediately explain like, this is something that is from my last relationship. It is not respectful. I will never, like, I won't speak like that again, but I think you really need to talk about, I mean, if, if let's say you've been cheated on in the past and your boyfriend brings his phone to the shower or your girlfriend, you know, is hiding her phone from you and like won't give you her password or puts like a screen protect, whatever it is that triggers you. Like, you know, most of the time the reason. And I think that it's okay to bring it up and say like, listen, this is coming this is manifesting for me in this relationship, but it's actually something from a past trauma and I 
just like, I want you to be aware of it so we can get through it together. And I think that's so important. It's so important to get through it together. And if you just keep it in and like, they don't understand why you're acting this way, that's really not good for your relationship. Like the best thing for your relationship that you can do is communicate any issues that you have. Like the worst thing you can do is not communicate. Like if you don't communicate the issues, they get bigger. It's like, if you don't communicate the red flags, they become deal breakers. And that's not good. Another thing that has been, you know, tough for me. So my partner's office closed. So now we're totally working from home together. He's literally sitting like a couple of feet away from me. He has his noise canceling headphones in. But if you hear like little like clicks on the mic or on the keyboard, that's fully him. And now he's laughing because apparently he's been listening to me this whole time, which I had no idea. And now he's shaking his head. But it can be hard to get work done. And something that just makes it so much easier for me is like a platform that pretty much does it for you. If you're a creative like me, you know, I still have my social media management company. You've edited before and, you know, you've had to reformat and reformat. But with issue, you can make it once and like make you know, a pamphlet, you can make a poster, you can make a graphic for Instagram. You just make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. If you have content to push out or a story to share, you can remove the complexity with Issue. Issue is spelled I-S-S-U-U and it is a website that makes content look amazing wherever you post exactly how you envision it. It's an all-in-one platform and you can create and distribute beautiful digital publications, brochures, magazines, sales collateral, like work like PowerPoint type things. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, literally everybody. It's really, truly amazing. And they make it easy for you. You just upload your PDF or your file or your photo and issue transforms the vision for you. And they use customizable templates. So you don't have to do all the work, which is really great for someone like me who's in the you know content world. So you can actually start using Issue for free. They also offer premium features that give a more customized experience. If you sign up, you just have to go to issuu.com slash podcast and use the promo code ACME to get started for free. Or if you want a premium account, you can get 50% off that account when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME. So that's issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. issuu.com slash podcast with promo code ACME. Somebody asked, how would your relationship be with your partner if you met them when you were 23? Um, non-existent because I had really off priorities when I was 23. I also like, I had no idea what I wanted to do um, professionally. I was the assistant to someone in the music world. And like, I don't even know like how I became that. I'm a horrible assistant. I was fired. You know, I've spoken about this on a previous episode and it was just a disaster. And I was still living at home. Like I had no autonomy. I just didn't know myself. And so 
I really think that you meet people at certain times for certain reasons. And for me, like I could only have made it work with my now partner if I met him at the time that I did. Even if I met him like two years before, I it wouldn't have worked. Like my priority was getting high and, you know, being like a cool girl and selfish. And I just didn't really like, I wasn't aware. I just was not super self-aware and I didn't have my priorities in order. Like I just didn't. I was attracted to something that isn't today attractive to me. And so it's possible I wouldn't have even been attracted to him or if I was, it would be for reasons that I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not, it would just be crazy. Like, that's why I don't understand sometimes when people are together from age 23, but I can imagine that they kind of grow together, which is a really beautiful thing. And if you're able to do that, then awesome to you, seriously. Okay. So, so this was actually, you know, piggybacking off my, what I just said, talking about my professional career. So I graduated with a um, a Bachelor of Science in Communications from Boston University. Shout out to BU if you went there. Go Terriers. And I had been really interested in social media. I actually had a Twitter account. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but it was called stoner girl problems. And it was kind of piggybacking off of an account, a parody account called white girl problems. And I made this account with a group of friends and it kind of blew up. It got like 40,000 followers on Twitter, which was a huge deal back then because Twitter was the only social media platform other than Facebook. Instagram was not a thing. We used it to like edit photos, but nobody was really on Instagram. Instagram only really became a thing once I graduated. And so I really did try to do something in social media, but it wasn't a career yet. And I was like, I really need to get a job. I ended up working with a staffing company, which I highly recommend. I feel like if you're out there looking for a job and you're like, oh, I just can't find a job and it sucks. Like, have you tried calling a staffing company or a recruiter? Like that is really, really and was really helpful to me. Oh, actually, that's not true. Sorry. My first job, um, I was like, I really wanted to be in film and TV. I was a film TV major in communications. And again, like social media wasn't an option. So my first job I found through a family friend. I worked at the Discovery Channel on a show as a production assistant. It was called Hustling the House. And I have an IMDB credit because of it. And it was actually really fun. They like took us to Atlantic City and they put us up at a hotel. I mean, it wasn't that fun. Like I was getting the director Diet Cokes at 5 a.m. But it was an experience. And then that ended. And... I worked with the staffing company and I got a job at, I believe it was, I think maybe Focus Features. It was like a temp job. And I was just like in their PR department, didn't really know what I was doing. And then I got a different job after that, working in music for the head of A&R at a company. And now he's like a huge, um, I, I can't really say who he is, but you might know who he is. I was his assistant. I did a shitty job. I think I told you guys I like fucked up a meeting with Miley Cyrus, blah, blah, blah. Got fired. Terrible. Um, like got dumped in that same week. It was awful. I finally ended up getting a job at a company called Mass Appeal, which is a magazine that was just recently at the time bought by Nas. 
I started writing articles for them. You can find them all online still. Um, and it was really fun. I had like, I bonded with all of my coworkers. They're amazing. And like some of them are doing incredible things today. And then finally started doing social media. So I would do social media for Mass Appeal. Then I left and did social media for like other startups for a while. And then my last job in social before I went off and started my own company was um, at a company called Go Butler that now like since then has gone under. But I had this really big budget to work with and Fuck Jerry was becoming a big influencer at the time. So I did this campaign with him where we were kind of like a text assistant. Like we could do anything for you via text. And so we came up with this text um, with Fuck Jerry that he posted, that he tagged us in and we got like 60,000 followers. And it was really cool. And I started getting recruited by other companies to do their social media. They were like, oh, are you the Go Butler social girl? And I was like, yes. And you know, a lot of companies wanted me to do their social. So that's when I went off and I decided to start a social media consulting agency. I got an office at a WeWork. And at my height of my social career, I had like six clients and was making a ton of money. And I was really loving it too, but I wasn't feeling super fulfilled. And that's when I started to, you know, want something else. And everything kind of aligned because I went on a friend's podcast and loved it and was like, wow, this is awesome. And like just talking to like no one for some reason is so fun. And that's, and then I was, you know, broken up with on my birthday. And like my eyes were open to the fact that there were no dating podcasts. And that's when I started We Met at Acme. And here we are today. So going off on the conversation where um, I told you that I then started my podcast, I just want to give some tips. If you're someone that wants to start something new or feeling not super fulfilled in your job, like find out what it is that makes you happy. For me, it's communication. Like that's my whole Zodiac chart, just communicating with the world and like having a voice. And so for me, that's what a podcast did for me. And I also really wanted to learn. I'm so curious about people. And I figured if I have a podcast, I can ask people things that I could not normally ask them. So that was a big thing for me. What I learned, maybe, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm like, should I have had a co-host? But I think for the most part, especially when you think about like the call her daddy situation, I think it's better to be on your own. Tips, I would say like really try to self-promote. Like you're the only, you have to be your own biggest fan if you're launching a podcast or launching a business. Like don't be afraid to reach out to your entire network and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Would love your support. Tell a friend. Like I never understood people who start a business and are too afraid to like for people to talk shit or to be embarrassed and maybe people won't support you. Like who cares? Because the right people will. And maybe, you know, you're starting a social media business. And so you reach out and you say, Hey, I'm doing the social media business. And everyone's like, haha, that's pathetic. But one guy, maybe in, in the whole email that you sent is in a meeting that day. And someone's like, I need a social media person. And he thinks, wow, oh, I just got this email from Lindsay and she's doing social media. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there and self-promote, especially if you are starting your own company. And that's all that 
in terms of my career stuff, I can think of, I want to answer like two more questions and then we will get you out of here. Oh, but there's one more thing that I really need to mention, which is that my new obsession at the moment is Feather. If you haven't heard of Feather, Feather is a amazing furniture rental company, but not just any furniture, like high quality, really beautifully designed furniture. And like right now, my boyfriend and I, you know, are living together, as I've mentioned. And when he moved in, I was like, okay, I like want him to feel like it's his place too. And so we looked at Feather and we were like, what can we rent that can be more like for him that like makes him feel like it's his place too. And they really have the most amazing things like rugs, lamps, wall art. We really like looked into the wall art and I think we're going to get something just for like, you know, cause you can get it monthly, which is really amazing. And it's just so important because people who live in cities like us, they move six to eight times before they hit their early thirties, which is insane. Furnishing a one bedroom can also cost upwards of $6,000. But with Feather, you basically are getting this amazing furniture for the cost of like your monthly utility bill, which is incredible. Their delivery team brings the furniture directly into your home for as little as seven days. And they handle all the heavy lifting. So you can go from an empty apartment, like if you just moved to the city, to a fully furnished home without lifting a finger or assembling anything. Like you don't need, you know, you don't need no mans to assemble anything when you have feather. It's amazing. And if you move to a new place with a different layout, you can still get furniture that works for any space. And when you rent by Feather, you're choosing a sustainable alternative to fast furniture that won't end up in landfills. So I really think that you should try it. I love it. I like hate trying to resell my furniture when I'm moving out of a place. With Feather, you know that it's going back to somewhere. And it's really amazing. You don't have to take off work to like, for all your furniture deliveries. It's super easy, especially like working from home right now. Just like have the deliveries come on in and we're seeing our apartment through like this different lens and we really want it to be a space we love. So try a new way to furnish your home. Feather has an exclusive offer for We Met at Acme listeners. If you go to livefeather.com and you use promo code ACME, you'll receive $500 off your first month. That's livefeather.com and use our promo code ACME for $500 off your first month. Like that is an amazing offer. And I highly suggest that you take me up on that ASAP. Livefeather.com, use promo code ACME and you'll receive $500 off your first month. Promo code ACME for $500 off. Okay. Pros and cons of dating a few people at once early on. There's literally no cons except for that you might mess up their names. But my biggest piece of advice is if you really like someone, don't put all your eggs in their basket right away because they will sense that and just not be into it because it's just like they'll smell the desperation. Whereas like if you are truly exercising your options, then, you know, it's it's a different story and they can tell that you're a hot commodity and dealing with self-sabotage in relationship. I self-sabotage all the time, but it's so important to bring yourself to self-awareness and realize like 
the facts versus what you're telling yourself. And, you know, try to take a step back and like take a pause before you react to things because oftentimes that's where the self-sabotage happens. Anyway, this episode has become much longer than I expected and I really appreciate you for listening and love you all. And I'm excited for the next few episodes coming up. So hope you're having a great Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, whenever you or Friday or Saturday. Okay. Bye.